Amen. Well, my name is Ben Moss, and I'm the college pastor here. And this summer, I got to be a part of something I never thought I would in my life. As Brian said, the Antioch movement uh, sent around 2,000 missionaries to uh, six different locations throughout Europe. And the purpose of us going was to see God's kingdom advanced, for us to engage what is being called one of the largest humanitarian crises in world history. And you know, as I was there, I uh, just kept thinking to myself, you know, God, what an incredible privilege it is to partner with you in seeing your kingdom advanced in the nations of the earth. I think a highlight for me uh, from the trip was when uh, we had a college team here from uh, Christ Fellowship who went to Greece. Uh, and while our college team was there, uh, we had the opportunity to see around 10 people give their lives to Jesus. You know, it's just amazing. Amen. Praise God. Uh, and, you know, as I was coming out of this summer, I was just thinking to myself, you know, God, I am so thankful that you would use little old me uh, to be a part of seeing you. Uh, come and seeing you come and love and pursue these refugees. And I had three takeaways that I came away from the trip with that I want to share with you uh, this morning. And the first one is this. God is moving in unprecedented ways in the nations of the earth. You know, there's a historic move of God that's happening all over the world. Little history lesson uh, for you. In the year 1900, uh, there were about uh, that uh, about 50% of the world's population was unreached with the gospel. Today, that number is all the way down to 23%. In the year uh, 2000, 32% of the world's whole population identified themselves as Christian. By the year 2015, that number will go up to 36%. Second takeaway that I had is that God, uh, missions is God's plan A for reaching the nations, and there is not a plan B. Romans 10.15 says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, God's call in Matthew 28 to reach and make disciples, it's for all of us. None of us are an exception to it. There's 2.1 billion people in the world who have yet to be evangelized. That's about one-third of the world's population. And you know what's interesting? Other than Europe, the United States is the only region in the world where the percentage of Christians is decreasing and not increasing. Yes, the mission is in the nations of the earth, but you know what? It's on our doorstep. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our schools. It's in our workplaces. We are all a part of the mission of God. The last takeaway I had is that Jesus loves to reveal himself through signs and wonders and miracles. It's God's character. He, it's who he is. And the ministry of healing and how God releases his power is all about God getting glory and people coming into right relationship with him. And over and over and over again this summer, I remember thinking to myself, Jesus, if you are not in this conversation or if you are not present while I'm praying for someone, then what I'm doing is worthless. Jesus, I want to be fully and completely led by you in everything that I do. 
You know, the great thing about being on mission is that God wants people to know Him more than we do. You know, that's freeing to think about, that God wants people to come to know Him even more than we do. We're so free to be bold. All right, so the main thing for today, God is calling us to live life as a missional people. God is calling us to live life as a missional people. And the message today, it's less practical, but I hope that it will put fresh faith and fresh courage inside of you to be a missionary wherever God has you. All right, we're going to be reading from Luke 10. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. We'll be looking at verses uh, 1 through 9. Beginning in verse 1, Luke 10 says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you uh, enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. God, I pray that this morning you would bless the reading of your word. Would you help all of us to be a missional people who are focused on you? In Jesus' name. All right, well, I want to start out by making a distinction here between Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10. A lot of you may have heard of the sending out of the 12 that happens in Luke chapter 9, but maybe not the sending out of the 72 that happens in Luke chapter 10. You know, Luke is the only gospel writer who actually records this. And I think we can gain some encouragement from the 72. In Luke 9, the 12 disciples, they're known individuals. They're people who had walked directly with Jesus. They participated in the feeding of the 5,000, and they watched Christ be transfigured before their eyes. And they were Jews. They were God's chosen people. And they were sent just to one city, to Galilee. So how about the 72? Who were they? Well, does anyone else feel normal in here? That, yeah, maybe you're not a superstar Christian uh, all the time? Well, I think the 72, they were a pretty normal bunch of people. Uh, Scholars say that they were actually a group of unknown individuals, but that they were most certainly a mixture of both Jews and and Gentiles. You know, I think Jesus, through sending out the 72, was trying to communicate that it wasn't just for God's chosen people. It was for all of humanity to be on mission. And they were commoners. One author said that they were people from a wide range of vocations. They didn't have the same job or the same task, but they were most certainly called to the same mission. 
And they were actually sent along a route where there were a lot of different towns along this route that was headed towards Jerusalem. The 72 were actually going to prepare the way of Christ. Luke chapter 9 is the finishing moments of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. But Luke chapter 10 and the sending out of the 72 is the beginning of a brand new ministry that ends up reaching every nation in the earth. All right, so I'm going to break it down a little bit for you into Jesus' mandates and Jesus' methods. Jesus' mandates and his methods. First, his mandates. Verses 1 through 3, I'm going to read it again. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. So he sends them out two by two. You know, I think this is so that there could be someone else there that could encourage them in the mission that God was calling them to. If someone was to fall or stumble, you would have a brother or a sister there to pick you up. We're never intended to build God's kingdom alone. That's why Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4.9 that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Jesus wanted them to be as fruitful as possible in their ministry. So who's your two? Who are the one, two, maybe three people around you that you can link arms with? to partner together, to see God's kingdom come in your school or in your business. You know, it says in the scripture that when two or more agree on something, that it's done by our Father in heaven. There's power in agreeing with one another, not just for our own lives, but for the people we're reaching out to. Jesus then gives them a vision of a great harvest. He said the harvest would be the fruition of labor and growth. It would begin with the planting of seed. That seed would grow, and then finally the fruit would come. The harvest was actually spoiling for wanting of being reaped. You know that you're a harvester for God's kingdom? But harvesters, they're intentional in what they do. They, they labor, and they make plans so that they can experience the harvest. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. He prepared God had given him a mission, and he was ready when the rain and the floods came. I love this quote. It says, we have to talk to God about men before we can talk to men about God. Maybe it's a commitment to pray for one or two people that are in your sphere of influence and ask God, what are you saying about them? How can I agree, God, with what you're saying? Maybe it's a commitment to build a relationship with someone. You know, there is so much power in relationship. The majority, of, uh, the majority of us can trace our salvation moment or a significant encounter that we had with God back to a single relationship. A person who is willing to encourage us to place identity on us and speak truth into our lives. There are people all around us who we can be that connection point to Christ. And we carry the Holy Spirit. We carry the great comforter, the great counselor, the one who leads and guide us, guides us. You know, I love to do my best to live my life with one ear towards heaven and one ear 
towards earth. Always abiding in Jesus and asking him, God, what are you saying about the people around me? How can I encourage them? I want to just share a little bit. Um, here at Christ Fellowship, I am so thankful that we are a church body that is intentional about the harvest that God has for us here in our own city. We've got so many local outreaches that we do, Read to Win, Angel Tree, River Tree Academy, but I want to make special mention of one uh, ministry, and that's Unbound. If you don't know what Unbound is, it's an anti-human trafficking organization that's through our church that is fighting against human trafficking that's happening here in our own city. I recently asked the Unbound team to give me a statement about what's going on right now through Unbound. They said this, Unbound currently serves on the steering committee of the Tarrant County Five Stones Anti-Trafficking Task Force. Wow. An extension of the Fort Worth Police Department. A few weeks ago, Unbound had the privilege of working with Fort Worth PD to help a local trafficking victim to a safe, loving aftercare facility. God's opening doors for Unbound to work with Fort Worth PD to increase community awareness and help care for rescued victims. That's the church. (laughs) That's what we're made for. That's what the church does. Because we're in this city, the city should look different. There is power in the body of Christ and what we have to offer people and how we are on mission And Fort Worth police officers, other organizations, they start going, there's something different that's about you. We want to be around you guys, and we want to pull you in to help us see transformation in our city. These three verses finish up by saying that your enemies will be like wolves. They'll be cruel, and they'll be ready to pull you down. But you, you must be like a lamb, peaceful and patient. Despite opposition, despite persecution, be innocent like a dove. Don't give up when you face opposition, but rather expect it. I put my spirit inside of you and given you the courage that you need. While we were in Greece, one of our team members had the opportunity to meet a Syrian man inside one of the refugee camps. And as he started to talk about Jesus and how he had changed his life, it was very evident that the Syrian man didn't want anything to do with a relationship with Jesus. About the third time that he had shared the gospel, the Syrian man said, "Uh, I don't want to hear any more about your God. About a week later, our uh, team member is just reading the Bible. He's spending time with God in the morning, and he just feels like God is so pressing on his heart that he needs to go back and talk with the Syrian man. Well, it turns out that the night before, the Syrian man's brother-in-law finds a Bible underneath his pillow inside the refugee camp. We still don't know how it got there. He starts reading all of the stories in the New Testament and begins to realize, you know, maybe there's something different out there than Islam. Maybe there really is a God who's come near to me. He gets so impacted that he starts sharing these stories with this Syrian man. And over the next eight hours, God begins to do this incredible work in his heart And starts softening his heart. By the time our team member gets there in the late afternoon that day, the Syrian man says this. He says, I know now that Jesus is the only way back to God. 
and I want to give my life to him. Amen. <laughs> he says, uh, you know, uh, this is going to cost me everything, but it's totally worth it. He prays right there, receives Jesus, and that begins a seven-week journey that we went on together of him reading the different parables about Christ and learning to how to obey the teachings of Christ and how to follow him. At the, near the end of our trip, it got to the point where this man was actually sharing the gospel with other Muslims inside of the refugee camp. He had been so impacted. He said, well, I guess I have to be baptized And at the beginning of June, with three other Muslims, we baptized him and celebrated what God had done. You know, I love that story because uh, the same man that was so opposing us at the beginning was now being persecuted for the very message that he believed in. There is opposition, and sometimes when we're on mission with God, it can be discouraging. We wonder, you know, God, why aren't you coming through or why aren't you breaking through in my life or in somebody else's life? I just want to encourage you that God is above every single circumstance. He has an incredible plan that is way beyond what we can imagine. Our job, our responsibility is simply to partner with him and let him lead us. All right, Jesus' methods... I'm going to read verses 4 through 9 again. It says, Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house, Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Jesus tells the disciples, don't take any provisions with you. Don't have anything that will distract you along the way from the mission that God has called us to. Jesus wasn't at dinner parties for the dinner. He was there to seek and to save that which was lost. And I just wonder, guys, with all of the distractions in today's world, if we simplified our world a little bit, if we created more space for God to come in and move us and and use us in a powerful way in our city. Social media and television, there's so many things we can get our hands on. But it says in the scripture that those with pure hands, those are the ones that see God so passionate personally in my own life about pursuing purity and and seeing God uh, utilize that purity to advance his kingdom. And then it says, carry peace with you wherever you go. Don't just compliment people, but proclaim that there is a gospel of peace. There's a covenant of peace because of what Jesus has done on the cross. How are we immersing ourselves in the peace of God. Maybe it's spending time with God on a daily basis in the morning, getting in his word and memorizing scripture and learning how to, uh, to find everything you need in the word of God. Maybe it's throughout the day just setting aside five minutes and, and praying for the people who are around you in your sphere of influence. One of my favorite things before I go to bed, I usually just put on a worship song because I want my heart to be 
focus towards heaven before I go to sleep. I want even in my dreams and uh, before I go to bed for me to be a man who's holy and pursuing Jesus. Uh, in December of this past year, I was in the blue. If you don't know what the blue is, uh, it is the student union uh, at TCU. And uh, I remember uh, one day I walked in and I was getting ready to swipe my card uh, to go into the food court. And there was a girl who was sitting off to the side and she said, hello. And I said, hello, you know, it was kind of like, okay, hi, you know, and it was obvious that she wanted to talk and that she was a joyful person. Uh, So I just started up a little conversation with her and, uh, you know, got to know her a little bit. I ended up saying that I go to a church here in Fort Worth and she said, oh, well, I've been looking for a church. Uh, What do you guys do or how, how can I get involved? And uh, I said, well, we have these things called Life Group, and uh, they're life-transforming communities that you would love to be a part of, and, uh, that I think you'd love to be a part of, and uh, that you would love to be a part of. You will come. Uh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> the next week she came, praise God, and, uh, uh, you know, she got really impacted in Life Group. She got uh, hungry. She uh, read the scripture. Uh, she was worshiping, and she said, well, what's my next step? We said, well, we have these things called discipleship groups where you learn about uh, the word of God and how to obey it and how to follow it in your life, and she said, well, I, I'll sign up for a discipleship group. She got involved in a discipleship group. After discipleship, she started learning, you know, there's a bigger call that's on my life. This message isn't just for me, but it's for other people as well. So I'm going to go on a spring break mission trip that's called Awaken. She goes on our uh, uh, mission trip, and at the end of the trip, she gets so impacted, she says, I'm ready to give my whole life to Jesus, and she gets baptized. It was awesome. Uh, She comes back from that trip, and she said, well, I just, you know, want to keep saying yes to God. What's the next thing? And it turns out we were taking a mission trip to Greece. Signs up to go on our Greece mission trip, and this summer, I'm in a tent with her as we lead an entire family to Christ. This past Wednesday, she was up here on stage leading worship for our college night. You know, I love that story because there are people of peace that are all around us. And when we are having conversations with people, and when we're talking with people, because of the Holy Spirit, there's just times where our peace, it just lands on people. And I can't describe it exactly what it's like, but I think when it happens, you just know it. And those are the people that God is calling us to stay around, to stay near for his glory. Finally, this passage wraps up and it says, heal the sick. Heal them in the name of Jesus so that people might encounter this Jesus that loves them so much. You know, God gives the 72 the power to heal to authenticate the fact that Jesus is on the scene. The miracle in the ministry of healing was then and is to this day all about pointing people into right relationship with God. While we were in uh, Greece, I was with one of my students and we had the privilege of getting to go to Idiomini, which is uh, a border town between Greece and Macedonia. At the time, there were about 10,000 refugees that were located there. 
It was our second day of the trip, so you can imagine we were a little bit nervous, and we were just praying, you know, God, would you lead us in our conversations, and would you guide us? We just want to honor you in everything that we do. We ended up starting up a conversation with a a Syrian family, and uh, one of my students who was on the trip, he uh, said that uh, the encounter uh, with a guy named Ali went like this. He said, we first met Ali when we went to Idiomini. He was having some back problems due to some disc issues. He, re- he relied on crutches. He could not stand up straight, and he was very slow. We prayed for him, and he said that he felt better, but his condition didn't improve very much. We left that day still knowing that God was working in not just Ali's life, but his family as well. Over the course of the next month, we met Ali several times at the Eco and Basilica. Those are two refugee camps. And other people met them, and we prayed for him. Each time we prayed, we were always hopeful that Ali would be without pain. All the while, God heard our prayers. One day, I walked into Basilica, and I saw a man who walked straight with strength and with no crutches. It was Ali. We embraced and started to cry together about what God had done. This all taught me that God moves in God's time. And that when we agree with others, whether we know it or not, that God answers and that he is the ultimate healer. God is a healer. And because he lives among us with the Holy Spirit, we can pray for those around us. You know, Not every time we pray for somebody, we see something significant like this happens, but that's okay. It's it's in the faith, it's in the boldness, it's in the trusting God that that he's going to come through in his time. And finally, it says, proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near. Now is the day of visitation. Know it, understand it, and lay hold of it. I'm going to ask Marley Motley to come up and share a quick story about the kingdom of God. Hi, um, I'm Marley, and I'm a part of the college ministry, and I had the great privilege of being in Greece, and I had um, just the great privilege of seeing Luke 10 come alive just right in front of me. Um, Yeah, it was just crazy. Um, We saw a ton of healing in Greece, and I remember um, in the mornings we would have this team time, and we would worship, and we would um, just study the Word of God, and we'd just be encouraged and stirred by each other's faith, Um, and we were reading this passage, and I just remembered thinking how simple but how profound what Jesus was saying um, was. And so just it was really just this big pep talk and play-by-play game plan that Jesus had. And I was like, okay, this is going to be my game plan today. And so I really did go into the camps, and I just tried to do this word for word. And I remember sitting, Chandler and I, just sitting in this tent, and we had seen probably 15 healings that day. And I don't know about separately. Overall, the whole trip, I saw probably 40 healings. Um, and honestly, I came into the trip having low faith for healing. But um, yeah, so just that happened. And then I was like, okay, this is just so real. Um, anyway, so we're in this tent, and all these women were healed of back pain. Um, and eventually, people just started coming in the tent, really kind of uninvited. They were just like, pray for me, me, <laughs> like my turn, my turn, you know, just like all these things. And we're like, yeah. Um, anyways, and so I'm looking this woman in the eyes, and I just say, like, the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
and she just understood. She just understood, and she's like, really, you know, the wow and all these things. And she just, it, it made sense because it was the only logical reason that all these people were being healed because the kingdom of God was near, and it was right there. And that was the only explanation. And so um, I think with that experience, I just remember the rest of the day just not talking a lot because I was just so in awe of what God was doing. And I just realized in that moment um, that the kingdom of God Um, it's a mindset. It's really, it was what I was living. It was a reality I was walking in. It wasn't just this biblical concept. And so, um, yeah, so God is so good. So, so good. Amen. That was a fun day going around proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come near. All right, to wrap up, I just have three Short points for you in light of Jesus' mandates and his methods. And the first one is that we are the 72. We are the 72. The instructions that Jesus gave the 72 are for us. This Holy Spirit-inspired account is directly related to Luke's second book, the book of Acts, which is the best model that we have today for the church. And since we make up the church, we most certainly are not an exception to the commandments that Jesus gave the 72. We're called to make disciples of all nations, and now is a great time to be re-upping and thinking about, God, how can I personally be on mission for you? Second thing, we need a sense of urgency. We need a sense of urgency. We need a greater sense of urgency to reach out to the lost people who are around us. In the account of the 72, there is a great sense of urgency for them to go from town to town to town. I want to be someone who prays for God's harvest to come at my work, at my school. I want to walk around with a mindset that I'm a part of a different world, a heavenly one. You know, C.S. Lewis said this, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. This is not our home. And we carry the greatest news of all time within us. How can we labor and partner with God to see his kingdom advance? You know, if everyone is made in the image of God, then everyone wants to have a relationship with Jesus. They just don't know it yet. The pressure is off of us We are free and released to be bold. And finally, we need a vision that is bigger than ourselves. We need a bigger vision. We need a a, a world vision. Jesus was teaching the 72 that in order to reach the masses, they needed to use methods that were oriented to reaching the masses. Jesus loved the whole world. He died for the sins of the whole world. God so loved the whole world in John 3 that he gave his one and only son. So where's your world? Well, your world is here and it's there. It's here in your office, in your favorite restaurant, in the grocery store, in your high school, on your college campus. And it's there. It's in Greece, it's in the Middle East, it's in Asia, the most unreached people groups in the world. And I'm so thankful that here at Christ Fellowship, we have so many opportunities to be engaging locally and globally so that God's kingdom would be advanced. I want to close with a quote from 
Charles Spurgeon, he said this, to bring people into God's kingdom is the happiest thing in the world. With every soul that is brought to Christ, you seem to get a new glimpse of heaven here upon earth. Let's be a people who bring heaven to earth, both here in Fort Worth and in the nations of the earth. Amen. All right, if our uh, worship team would be come forward, I invite you to be standing here as we finish up our ministry team too, please. You know, as I'm sharing uh, this morning, some of you uh, might be thinking, uh, you know, Ben, that's great for you. Uh, that's great stories that you shared, and, uh, you know, that's great that you're a superstar missionary. I'm not. Uh, but uh, I feel like God uh, just wants to encourage this this morning and say, we are all a part of the 72. Uh, that there is a mission for each one of us to be the twos and the twos and the twos that are impacting and transforming our city. So maybe this morning you just want prayer for fresh faith and fresh courage to be on mission for God what, in whatever sphere of influence you have. Maybe for some of you, you've never heard about having this relationship with Jesus Christ and being a part of this mission that I'm talking about. If that's you, we want to give you the opportunity to, to come forward and talk with one of our leaders about how you can come into a relationship with Jesus. Whatever your needs are this morning, the, uh, the, the, the front here is for you. I encourage you to come forward. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in. Lord, I thank you that you have called us to be on mission, Lord, that you have called us to be your hands and your feet, both here in our city and in the nations of the earth, God. And I ask this morning, Lord, that you would fill each one of us with fresh faith and fresh courage, God, to be bold men and women who proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We need you again this morning. Jesus' name. Whatever your needs are, I invite you to come forward.